Hey y'all, Ali here, hitting you with a couple things. Um, first of all, like we do from time to time, we are making uh, an episode of Zero Brightness Plus available to the public for free. If you don't know, Zero Brightness Plus is the premium show that we do on our Patreon for our Patreon supporters. It's an extra bonus episode that comes out every week. Uh, So the reason we're putting this one out is, as usual, to drive interest, but also because you may have heard we're all stuck inside because of a pandemic. Um, James and I are both fine. Uh, That's only a point of interest because James was in Japan, but he got home okay. I'm in shitty Minneapolis. I'm okay. Um, Yeah, so we're going to keep doing the show, obviously, because we're going to be stuck inside not doing shit. But um, because of that, it would be nice if we got a few more people on the Patreon. Uh, So if you like the show, enjoy the show, and don't kick into the Patreon, here's another sample for you of what we do every week. Um, This one's about Disco Elysium. I thought it would be cool because a lot of people stuck inside looking for things to play, maybe starting to go through the backlog or check out some of the best of 2019 stuff. Disco Elysium was absolutely one of the best of 2019. Um, And the other reason being that now is definitely the time to support artists. Uh, I am one of those gig workers you hear about on your BuzzFeed articles who doesn't have insurance or any sort of security net. So I'm sort of scrambling trying to figure out what I'm going to do. I guess Donald Trump might send us checks or something, but I'm not going to hold my fucking breath for that. Nor am I going to hold my breath for my management company to not charge me rent. I digress. The point is, now's the time to support artists. Our Patreon is super generous. Basically, you pick how much you want to kick in and you get access to the show. It can be a dollar. It can be some other amount that's not a dollar. We also have t-shirts. We did our pre-order and that's done, but we still have stock of our shirts and I am set up to ship from home. Yeah, I feel like the show's about to maybe kick up just because we have all this time and stuff to do. Uh, Definitely have been some ideas thrown around the Discord for adding more tiers to the Patreon, doing more stuff, hanging out with you guys. We're going to try doing a call-in show soon. Um, But yeah, so anyway... Enjoy this little taste of what we got going on. Much more to come. As always, thank you for listening. And yeah, enjoy. Zero Brightness Plus, episode 18. Mm, fuck does Kuno care? <laughs> yup, that's right. We're talking about Disco Elysium. Because Kuno doesn't give a fuck. It's true. Kuno's on the big boy shit, okay? <laughs> uh, we both finally finished this game. Mm-hmm. We both have been talking about it kind of all the time. Quietly in every episode, we are like dropping little refs here and there. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just fucking air it out, man. Fuck it. What a game. Yeah. I mean, this isn't like the genre of game I usually play, you know, um, with a couple exceptions. You know, I feel like Divinity Original Sin 2 was kind of in similar in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. 
Um, but yeah, the CRPG isn't something I really like go out and play a lot, but this one was something special. Yeah, so Disco Elysium is a game that's in the lineage of isometric, point-and-click, uh, D&D-derived, Western-developed RPG games. Mm. I think like when I was in high school, the most popular one was called Neverwinter Nights. Um, mm. These games rose to prominence mostly through people who really liked Dungeons & Dragons, and they liked Blizzard games, you know? And so it kind of like hit the sweet spot of Diablo meets D and D. I and guess it did it like evolve from the PC stuff like Ultima. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So there's like a lineage that runs, you know, throughout their early nineties and mid nineties of games that were kind of in the same style. Um, these games are interesting. Uh, there are a few big outliers. The one that people always talk about is uh, Planescape torment. Mm, I don't yeah. know if did you ever play that game. No. Uh, so despite it's totally chonky title, it's actually like a really, really <laughs> cool game. Planescape torment became notable because the writing in it was incredible. Um, sound like anything you've played recently. Uh, yeah. So disco Elysium kind of, you know, hit a lot of those same notes for people. The difference is that even Planescape Torment, which is a great game, um, had like shitty dumb combat in it, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm. Uh, and there are some other games too in the genre where it's like the writing and the story and all that was great, but it has this like really boring turn-based point and click combat. Um, it really turns off people like me, for example. Uh, I don't mm. like these games and Disco Elysium is amazing cause it's like the same interface, but instead of combat, it's just all conversations mostly yeah yeah i mean there's a couple points where you can like throw a like swing swing at somebody but like um there's never really any battles right so basically what and we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes of the bonus show here but the way this game works is you go you start talking to someone and as you're talking certain choices pop up and the first thing that's cool about this game is that the choices are meaningful. So if you make certain choices, you can't ask certain other things. Like a big mm -hmm. thing in the game is that you're not really meant to see every dialogue option. Unlike most video games where you're kind of meant to approach a conversation like a looter uh, in a yeah. riot or something. <laughs> like you're just trying mm -hmm. to grab everything. This one, it's like you're actually just picking the path that you want to take and just saying the things you want to say and then, you know, trying to get the information that you're interested in, which is cool. Right. It's like a yeah. real conversation. Yeah. Um, Except for the dice rolls. Well, so that's the other big thing <laughs> is that just like any game in this style, it is sort of still D and D style where there are times when you're given an option to attempt something. When you make the attempt based on your stats and your character sheet, the game will roll a set of dice to see if you can actually do the thing you're attempting. Mm -hmm. And the game is 100% transparent about it. So mm -hmm. it shows you the dice, it shows you what you got, and it tells you if you failed or succeeded. The other thing is that there are two different types of choices. So some of them you can reattempt if you level up the stat it requires and right. other ones you can't. Yeah. And but I mean there's always a real low probability that you could get it. So 
quick save and quick load are uh, pretty handy tools when doing some of these skill checks. Yeah, so you can save right before you attempt something and then just keep reloading the save until you get it. It's called save scumming, if you're not familiar with that term. (laughs) Uh, Classic PC gaming move. But the other thing that's cool too, though, is that you can also just live on the edge and be risky. And sometimes you just like the dice roll in your favor and you're like, fuck, I did not believe that. So like there's one part where you're trying to assert dominance over a giant bodybuilding racist and uh, you can choose to punch him. And I just Mm -hmm. did it on my first try, even though my character was like pretty weak. (laughs) So it's, it's cool. It's, it's a game that encourages you to like think about the systems in the game and to metagame it, but also encourages you to just be a madman and live on the edge. And it's very, very fun. Well, I mean, because usually in RPGs, it's always advantageous to play, like, the straight guy, like, the do-gooder. And then in this game, you like, that's not even an option. No. Yeah, exactly. And it's more about just working with what you've got and trying to game the system. Mm-hmm. So and before we talk about the, the story and the setting, because those are really the stars of the show, a little bit more about the nuts and bolts here. So you, like I mentioned earlier, when you're attempting these things or doing these dice rolls, it's tied to two things. One is a character sheet and two is your outfit that you're wearing. So <laughs> the character sheet is really confusing at first. I can imagine someone booting up this game and being intimidated by it. Yeah. But essentially, it's just a big grid of character traits and there's 25 or so yeah and they all have strange names but they have pretty straightforward descriptions and the more you play the game the more you realize what everything means but essentially you have all these different parts of your character's personality Mm -hmm. that you can level up and put points into when you do that it not only makes the dice rolls easier to succeed at, but it also has those parts of your personality chime in on your conversations. Yeah. So you'll yeah. be in conversation with someone and like the part of your brain that's responsible for authority or suggestion or like mm-hmm. your street knowledge will just chime in and say something. Uh, My favorite is the uh, addict voice, uh, electrochemistry. Oh, yeah. Like, any time, like, amphetamines are brought up, he gets really excited. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Or, like, I love the Inland Empire voice. Yeah. Which is your knowledge of sort of, like, occult, paranormal, strange happenings. Mm -hmm. And, like, that one's always trying to say that everything is, like, a dark, sexy mystery. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so funny, uh, and it's yeah, it's, so it's good. just absurd that like the the stat sheet in this game, instead of being like dexterity and strength and speed, is like electrochemistry and inland empire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that they your... all talk to you. Yeah, exactly. They're almost like party members. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so then you can also buff any of these stats by changing your outfits. You collect clothes as you play the game and you can't not look homeless (laughs) (laughs) you can get a bunch of clothes you look fucking ridiculous no matter what but it's also really amazing and it's super fun just from an aesthetic standpoint but it's also super fun in terms of trying to game the system so you can try and guess like 
oh, if I'm going to go interrogate this person, I probably want some authority. So I should put on clothes that buff my authority or like mm-hmm. I might want to buff my suggestion or, you know, I might want to buff my drama if I'm trying to lie to someone, you know, <laughs> what it ends up being is that like I'll get to a uh, skill check quick save and then like quickly put on some dishwashing gloves and try again yeah (laughs) it's really ridiculous but it's really fun and it's funny it's also why if you've seen any footage of this game it probably looks kind of weird because you're like what is this main character (laughs) i think for the whole last section of the game uh, I was just wearing a full like Nike tracksuit with a like Russian <laughs> floppy ear hat and sunglasses. That was my look. Walking around like Kuno's uncle or something. Yeah, dude, it was just me and Kuno. It was awesome. I bought those pants from him. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Um, but you gotta support budding entrepreneurship. Yeah, exactly, you, dude. Wu Tang is for the children, always. <laughs> So the real star of the show here, though, I mean, like those systems are really fun. And the way that the conversations work is really fun and very engaging. But before we move on, there's also the thought cabinet. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of part of that, like that stat sheet where you can like somebody will bring up something interesting in conversation. And then after that conversation, you can internalize that thought and kind of like ruminate on it for a while. Right. And then you'll come to like realizations. So you can get one about like, um, your delusions of being a failed rock star, or you can get one about, um, the really racist guy that you want to punch in the face. You can internalize his racist ideology and I guess, like, turn out a racist on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's all these, like, really abstract ideas as thoughts in the thought cabinet. It's just really bizarre. Well, and it's just like anything in this game where there's a way you can approach it like a video game. And you can say, mm-hmm. okay, I just want stuff that buffs my character and makes my stats better. Yeah. But... You can also just approach it either as a role player or as just a person and just be like, I like this. This is funny. And also certain things will give you different dialogue options. Mm -hmm. So like I actually had two things in my thought cabinet that actually debuffed some of my stats, but I kept them in there Mm -hmm. a because I agreed with it ideologically and B because the dialogue options were really funny. Uh, For example, those were, uh, my character was a radical feminist and a radical communist. So, <laughs> so he was tra- constantly trying to bring up like the fact that people's day-to-day actions were degrading to women and also uh, degrading to the working class. And like, it was amazing. And once again, like the writing in this game is incredible. And so yeah. all of these conversations are really good, but also I just loved all those dial dialogue options. And so there was a moment where I was like, oh, you know, these are actually debuffing certain things. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, this is awesome. I'm keeping these thoughts. Yeah, I was a hobo cop, uh, oh, nice. part of the homosexual underground. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think I was both. Uh, I will. I was an art critic and a superstar. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, well. What a life. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, it's pretty real. I am basically yeah. a deluded art critic, so. <laughs> we, 
with their little video game podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, so like, yeah, before talking about the story and setting, I have to say like, these systems are all brilliant just because of how weird and relatable and real they get. <laughs> like, once I again. Guess. I mean, my my addictive tendencies don't have conversations with me. <laughs> but I'm just saying. Luckily. It's like, yeah, I'm just saying. It's like you can role play as someone who has your same politics or like has your same proclivities. And like mm-hmm. you can sort of approach you basically get to shape the main character's brain which i've never seen in a video game ever yeah you can't change like who he was the day before but yeah you're kind of given a weird it's like the strangest blank slate ever right yeah (laughs) exactly and it's super cool i mean i think it's why this game succeeds so much as like a literal role-playing game yeah because also the other thing too is that they're okay so like i was saying you're not really meant to pick every conversation option and Mm -hmm. the more you play the game the more you realize that there's this stuff that you just will never click on or that you'll totally avoid because you don't want to bring it up a conversation and it has repercussions because your brain will start suggesting things to you or saying different things in conversations and then you'll also start getting really funny achievements (laughs) in like steam so like i'd never pay attention to achievements i just don't give a shit this is the first game that actually made me care because it would start commenting on the way you were playing (laughs) which was really funny because the game is pretty explicit about what you're trying to do but then the achievements tell you what you're actually doing Uh that's really funny so like i thought i was this radical communist but then my achievements were like you're a centrist and you keep saying sorry (laughs) (laughs) nice and it's just like oh there's just so many layers to it there's so many layers to the commentary on like socio-political stuff in this game it's so good yeah i mean i i I, if i had infinite time i would love to go back and play the game in a completely different way and like be like a bootlicker about it yeah (laughs) just to see how it would turn out yeah totally because the character you're playing as seems wildly more like off the rocker than your partner. Your partner seems more like, um, more, like a lot more by the book, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I just wonder how the relationship between the main character and his partner would be as a bootlicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I couldn't even envision it. Because I was such a commie in my playthrough. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Well, and there's even a lot of stuff in this game when you're playing through it. And you could see how some of the choices you made could go really differently. Mm. um, Either on a story level or on a personal level for your character. And Mm. so, yeah, it is a fascinating game. It definitely suggests replayability. Like you want to go back and replay it i mean like you said i don't have the fucking time i mean this game takes sure. like 20 hours to beat yeah um, well it, and it's it's not a very ep, it, very epic in scale i mean it's i finished the game at about six or seven like game days and it's really just like w- one city block less than a city block really uh-huh. and then like a little five or six rural shacks and then like some beach 
like there's really not a lot to this world but it's just so packed with uh memorable characters and um the way you traverse the world mixed with the way the story is unfolding is really interesting yeah and well paced yeah you don't feel rushed ever really yeah for sure and just the visual style um is great there's a lot of it's not only filled with characters and things to do but it's also just filled with things to look at the environments are great they feel really lived in i love how expressionist the portraits are yeah like the game the game looks pretty well rendered i think it's kind of color graded in sort of an illustratory way but then all the portraits are in this like really cool like heavy heavy brush stroke look uh painting style yeah it's pretty rad totally um there's a yeah the whole aesthetic is great it looks beautiful and those portraits really give you a sort of different take on things it's very yeah it's very painterly um the sound is great uh the music yeah the soundtrack was done by a band um called british sea power oh really yeah that's like one of my favorite bands <laughs> well they used some of their songs and then some of their some of the some of it was written just for the game that's crazy that yeah. makes so much sense because it really <laughs> sounds like it and yeah because okay so british sea power fucking hell man dude i love that band so much actually what's funny is that i hadn't really listened to that band in a while and then over this last winter i've been listening to that band a ton Hmm. Um, they have this one record called Do You Like Rock Music that I think is like just one of the best records ever made and it's just crazy because it's this weird like even split between like stuff that kind of sounds like a more epic guided by voices and Mm. then just like random post-rock instrumental shit (laughs) that kind of sounds like the more ambient-y stuff in this game I'll have to check that out yeah i sure do like me some guided by voices yeah it's i mean their first record is the one that everybody really likes uh it's called Mm. the decline of british sea power and yeah it definitely sounds like this weirdly epic british version of guided by voices sick yeah well Um, you know it's not an episode of zero brightness unless we go on a (laughs) music tangent yeah no man dude (laughs) i cannot tell you like how much I love that record. That's one of those records I just keep coming back to. And it always seems to be a weirdly like important times. Like, Mm. and whenever I come back to it, it just makes me think about just what a weird, bizarre life I've lived. I don't know. I love (laughs) just driving around. Listen, that record is just like the most, the most fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, the music is great. The just the ambient music that you hear throughout the game is great. But then there's a lot mm-hmm. of great musical breaks. Uh, yeah, there's a karaoke. <laughs> That's really great. <laughs> I failed that skill track. I passed it, and it was amazing. Uh, uh, and I actually I gotta hear that. I gotta look that up. Look it up and listen to it. It's awesome. I actually want to record a cover of it. Um, it's so nice. good. I think I am gonna do that. Well, it's a British Sea Power song, so there Fuck. you go. Yeah, I love British Sea Power. Um, <laughs> I saw I saw British Sea Power, and it was amazing. Yeah, great nice. band. Uh, years ago, really long time ago, at the Cedar Cultural Center in uh, Cedar Riverside, Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> USA. 
Um, Kuno doesn't fucking care. Kuno does not fucking care. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, that that musical break is great. There's another one where you right before the end where you're going to the last area via boat and you can choose to listen to sad FM. Yeah. And a really cool song plays. <laughs> I love that. I love that too. I also was like, of course I'm listening to Sad FM and I was like, God, I wish Sad FM was real because it's literally just describing my band. It was like slow, sad rock music. And I was like, Hey, hey. There you go. I make that. <laughs> um yeah, it's just it's a great experience aesthetically. There's a lot of cool references to um Mm-hmm. another great musical reference a band that we just kept talking about throughout all those silent hill episodes um you, at one point you can graffiti the einstersende neubauten logo on a wall did you do that Oh, i missed that yeah wow that's so cool yeah you can like find i think it's the art critic thing where i was like mm. i found a blank wall and then he was like i need to make this art and then i like asked uh cindy the skull for some uh oil it was like it was like uh like jet fluid or or uh, jet fuel or something. Yeah, yeah. And then like I drew the Einstersende Neubauten logo on the wall in front of where Kuno hangs out. Like <laughs> in jet fuel. That's awesome. Yeah. It's there's just oh. so many cool moments. The other thing too is like obviously a lot of the in-world stuff that they reference are just like twists on real world things you know mm-hmm. like mazov yeah. being marks is the one that comes to mind but there's just tons mm-hmm. of references and stuff like that in the game yeah yeah i feel like if i knew a little more about eastern european history it, the references might have caught on a little better but i just don't know enough sure yeah there's yeah. a lot though it's a very it's a very rich world and it's a very fascinating way to create a world to just take real world things and just slightly twist them you know yeah do you know what country these uh the developers are from uh no i did know Mm. then i forgot wow you can find out you're looking it up already uh so while you do that um like like i was saying earlier probably like 20 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) uh which is awesome i love it i think the the real star of the show here is the story and the writing oh absolutely i mean it's a game all about experiencing the story and reading the things that people have to say to you and i and i understand that that is maybe a mild criticism that's been levied at the game but Mm -hmm. i think it's amazing because i actually sort of put this in with outer wilds that just came out around the same time you know like last summer Mm -hmm. And with Echo Knight, actually, which we just played, you know, (laughs) Um, which is games where the progression is not entirely based on traditional video game stuff, but rather on finding information. Mm. Right. And the goal is that you are finding information and unraveling a story rather than you're just leveling up or gaining a, a skill sufficient to pass a skill check. Right right yeah like in in this game and in outer wilds you're just collecting information and you're moving forward so like you said it's a small world it's not very big it opens up slightly throughout different phases of the game you know Mm -hmm. uh and 
it's it's mostly the same small pool of characters that you're returning to but as you return to them you have more information so right you can bring up new topics you can have new conversations with the same people you can find out if somebody was lying to you and then bring it up with them yeah um yeah it's it's really interesting like you really do feel like a detective you know yeah well and it's also just a nice counterpoint to the super traditional games like you've been playing a lot of stuff that's just combat or that's just like Mm -hmm. looting or whatever like it's really nice to play a game that's not like that and i've been super on this kick i haven't been playing anything but games like this since like november so yeah i'm freaking fired up dude like i love it it's really like this game is like 60 percent a game and 40 percent reading a book though yeah so it's it's not even on par with like playing other games you know yeah totally but i mean the thing that's amazing about this game is the way that they managed to integrate it into a game so it feels like a game it never doesn't feel like a game right and that's been something yeah. that I think sp- what's kind of a brilliant about them choosing this genre and this presentation style is that it's something that Western RPGs have been trying to figure out forever, right? Because, like, mm. there's whole books in Elder Scrolls games. Like, you can sit there and read a book in an Elder Scrolls game. but Oh, absolutely, yeah. But, like, why the fuck would you, right? <laughs> and that's, like, the problem. The, pr- the problem with trying to integrate those two halves is... On the one hand, oh, you can do that. And on the other hand, why the fuck would you? So they actually made a game where the the reading... I remember when I was... Sorry. Shit. Go ahead. Oh, it's okay. They made a game where the reading and conversing are integrated into the game actions. So it's like, you don't enter combat phase, you enter conversation phase. You read the things people (laughs) have to say, and you react to the conversations. It's brilliant. Yeah. I mean books and books of dialogue have been kind of like ingrained into PC RPG gaming uh, forever. Remember when I was a kid, like I got an Ultima game, but it was just so dense. I could never really like get far into it, but it came with like two 200 page books. And then inside the game, it was like, yeah, what you were describing, like you would just find like entire small novels and shit. Right. Like built into the game. And it's just so dense, but it wasn't like I don't know, this is just like so well ingrained to do the experience. Yeah. Well, and part of it too is the interface. The interface in this game is incredible. It's so, so, so good. And I actually read a developer interview where they were talking about how they were actually inspired by Twitter and how they made the sort of vertical timeline style text scrolling dialogue box on the right side of the screen to look like a Twitter feed. Hmm. So interfacing with it and reading it and doing all that stuff is actually very, very fun and fluid and natural and engaging because it looks like more like a game. It's kind of like the snake eating its tail here because we've been saying, I mean, we as people, not we zero brightness, uh, we as people have been talking about how much closer to video game social media has been moving for years right like how the interfaces are all kind of video gamey and now a video game has taken something from social media and made an actual video game out of it yeah and it's super cool would you want to play this on your phone (laughs) (laughs) if i mean it'd be impossible because you couldn't read the text 
I think it would work on a tablet, though. If it had a different layout and the text was bigger, I'd love to play this handheld. Like, if they made a Switch version where the text was, like, mega, I'd love it. <laughs> um, I would Maybe I'd buy it again. Yeah. There's no controller support yet. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I mean, I get it because of the style of game, but it, it was funny, too, how, like, the way I played it was sort of, like, controller keyboard you know because like mm, you can yeah. hold well here's a hot tip for all you all you pro gamers out there um <laughs> really trying to get your subs up if you hold tab you can see everything interactable on screen highlighted mm-hmm. and so i was just holding tab like all the time and then clicking on stuff like <laughs> yep. i was never just clicking blindly like you would in an old adventure game you yeah. know so I think it'd be cool if they did a controller version where you could just like hold a shoulder button to highlight and then just scroll through by flicking a directional button. Sure. Yeah. Or, you know, just what Divinity Original Sin 2 did gave you direct control over your character. Oh. But you, you, you held the um, X button down and a circle would come out from outside of you. And everything inside the circle would become highlighted. And then you could interact with the objects. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, uh, I think that's a good way to do interactable things in a game like this. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's ways. And I think it's so easy to do in this game that I feel like they've already thought of making it accessible, you know? Yeah. So I feel like they could do a good controller version. Yeah, and a console port is coming, so... They'll have to figure it out one way or another. Yeah, people have been screaming for it on the Switch. They want it. <laughs> yeah. I'm with them. I'm screaming right along. <laughs> um, so to talk a little bit about the setting and story, and we'll see mm. how much we actually want to talk about this. But So it's basically set in this very... It has this kind of post-Soviet feel to it. Mm-hmm. Like you're clearly in an Eastern European-inspired place. Yeah, the developers are Ukrainian, so that makes sense. Totally makes sense, but it's got that feel. It's like everything is kind of old and broken down. Um, The place that you're in is described more than once by characters in the game as pornographically poor, (laughs) which is a great, one of many great turns of phrase that is in this game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everything just feels really old and lived in and worn out. There's and a, bombed out and bombed out. Um, there's a yeah. lot of talk of like the old glory days. So you see mm-hmm. things that are just riddled with bullet holes and blown up and people talk about the revolution and, you know, these sort of bygone glory days. It's and it's got a real like sadness to it. I mean, another thing to tie it into kind of Echo Night, uh, it's got that sadness permeating everything like it's just real downtrodden yeah well i've 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 been looking into like russian travel videos and stuff and what a lot of people say from post-soviet countries is that they miss the good old days like life was better under communism for them right uh just for like common people so i mean i think there is like a, a yearning for the good old days especially in countries like that Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, I don't know. I love it too, because the way that this game frames a place like that, and there's a lot of places like that in the world, 
because ultimately when it comes to political situations, you don't know what's going on until you're inside of it. Really? You know? Sure. Um, and I could talk about that with like Lebanon for days, but we're not mm. going to do that. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's just interesting because the way that this game frames that is just by embracing the absurdity of it. So like yeah. they present it earnestly and this game is very earnest and has a real great like emotional core to it, mm-hmm. but it's also just completely fucking absurd and like <laughs> everyone is totally ridiculous. And so you're kind of running around this area and like everyone is just in some state of despair and they hate you cause you're a cop and they hate the cops. Yeah, <laughs> and, and yet like you just have these hilarious charming and ridiculous conversations like mm-hmm. that's what i mean by the writing just being on like another level of like hilarious satire it's you know it's like some of the great satirists like like kurt vonnegut for example who could just write these just totally despairing weirdly depressed characters who are also just hilarious and charming mm-hmm. and that's like everybody yeah. in this game Sure. Yeah, I mean, people get silly when they're desperate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so you're playing as this amnesiac alcoholic cop who went on like the mega bender to end all benders mm-hmm. and then wakes up one day to find that he has a new partner sent to aid him in an investigation that he's apparently on, but he's literally forgotten everything. <laughs> like, and this is what's great about this game is that the role playing starts immediately because you can kind of choose how much your character has forgotten by how often you ask people questions, but you can ask them questions about everything. <laughs> like yeah. what anything is in the world. Like you can ask someone what money is, you know, like when they ask you to pay. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like uh, when a little kid antagonizes you and keeps asking why Yeah, <laughs> he keeps getting like more and more granular. It's like that. Yeah, exactly. It's almost absurd. Like at at the beginning part of this game, like the dialogue choices are like so thorough, like absurdly thorough, like all the time. Yeah. The other genius thing too, is that it is in a fictional world with made up words. So people can say stuff that you don't understand, but you're like a human with some amount of intelligence. So you use context clues and stuff, but you still don't really know. So you can still have your guy ask like, well, what is that? (laughs) Uh, And it's great. But so pretty quickly you realize that you've been sent to this small impoverished town to solve a murder Mm -hmm. that seems to be tied to both a union in the area that represents a bunch of dock workers, but is run by a kind of bloodthirsty fat cat. Uh, mm-hmm. and his interests are squaring off against the interests of the company that owns the dock. Right. And so now you're in the middle of this political and economic situation, trying to solve this murder mystery, but also just trying to figure out who the fuck you are. Cause you really have no idea. Yeah, and things, like, nothing is right on face value. Like, you keep peeling these layers of story back and just revealing it, like, like what the hell is all of this really about? Yeah, totally. Like, so there's, like, a guy, he was basically, like, lynched and hung 
from um and he's just been hanging there for like three days yeah and uh you and your partner finally show up or you wake up out of your bender and your partner's there and then you have to figure out what the hell happened but it's not as simple as like the striking workers killing a security guy like several things like keep coming to light and it just recontextualizes all the characters like people keep lying to you um none of the sides are trustworthy right um there's no good side or bad side right the workers union is run by a total scumbag and his like sort of sycophants and you know the company is the company so they can't be the good guys right right and then you know the cops take bribes and do speed so you're not the good guy (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's all just so morally gray and interesting yeah well, it's awesome because so much of it is down to choice and you can mm. make choices. And the game is written in such a way, though, that it actually is pushing you towards extreme actions. So, yeah. <laughs> like, my character early on got a thought in their thought cabinet that basically doing speed was awesome for me. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, I got crazy buffs from doing speed. So I kind of mm-hmm. low-key became a speed freak. <laughs> why not and also it's like i actually made decent money in the game because i would loot and pawn everything but i also (laughs) developed really high suggestion and so i could just get everybody to give me bribes so i was just like well i guess so i was going around making like a bunch of money a day taking bribes and like doing speed you were like the crookedest cop yeah i was uh i was bad lieutenant basically (laughs) I was like returning valuable items to grandmas and shit. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. What's another amazing thing too, though, is that, so this game has a bunch of side quests and a lot of times they're really there just to color the atmosphere and give you a better picture of what's going on in the world. So Mm -hmm. like you can, you know, see what people do in their day to day, or you can see what it's really like to, you know, to live in this town or work for this company um, but they also present you with some of these like moral choices and it's, it's very, very interesting The the side quests in this game are more fun to unravel and follow than any game I've played before. I'm generally not a big side quest guy and I, I loved it in this game. I mean, not enough games have cryptozoologists. Yeah. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Well, and the way that everything ties together in the end is like so, so, so good. <laughs> Like the way that they bring all the different elements together at the end of the game is really, really good. And yeah, a Mm. lot of these one-on-one interactions are the key to like the heart of the story because there's a lot of subtle commentary on socio-political issues that's that you is revealed through these small interactions or little things, right? Like, yeah, it's hard, if not impossible to be a centrist and, the economic reality of any situation kind of outweighs whatever moral choice that you try to make. Mm -hmm. And that's really sort of like the heart and soul of the game. And it seems like if you make centrist choices, like the other characters don't really like that. Yeah. (laughs) Just like in real life. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's just like everything is a struggle. And even for your character, it's like your character is struggling to like, keep it together in the face Mm -hmm. of his like a crippling need for any sort of substance he can 
you can put in his body. <laughs> hey, I didn't do any drugs the entire playthrough. Oh, well, like I said, I've, we had very I wanted him to do better for himself, you know? <laughs> Dude. The guy's a fucking wreck. Have you, have you looked in the mirror lately? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I didn't really drink, but I did a lot of speed. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, it's so cool. And even th- this conversation we're having is awesome because it's just like, you can play the game so differently and it's interesting because I think that I saw some criticism online that the end kind of railroads you into the same scenario every time. Mm. And I don't think that's true either because I could imagine the conversations that I had at the end going very, very differently. Hmm. Yeah. I do think there's a little bit of weirdness there. The end of the game, and this is not a spoiler, but the end of the game is basically just a conversation you have. Like there's a clear climax scene uh, where you see something, you know exactly what I'm talking about, James. Yeah. Um, And like after that you come back and you just have a conversation that kind of wraps up the game and hints at what would happen in the post game. And it's like a debriefing. Yes. And it's a little abrupt. Yeah. And the ending even is a little abrupt. And I get that. I saw this criticism a lot, but I don't think it took away from the game at all. I loved that the ending was just really dry and sudden and, and open ended. Open ended. And like I said, I can imagine it going really differently. So for me, I wasn't a total wreck, but I wasn't like, I didn't really have my shit together either. Mm. so that whole conversation for me was me just justifying all of my completely gonzo bananas actions and it was increasingly (laughs) hilarious and emotional because i was just like i think one of the last things i said was i'm doing the best i can and i was like man that's like really intense and i really like that that was the end of the game and not something more epic or dramatic yeah like yeah. I think it fits the tone perfectly. Yeah, I mean the best you can is good enough. Yeah. 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 Radiohead said that, so it must be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, I I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I thought it was great. Um, I think everybody should play it because it's really really fucking good, and it's a really nice uh, counterpoint to all the the slashy slash and the shooty shoot easy five star game oh easy six out of five six out of five dude six and a half like i also think too part of me was like man i can't believe i waited so long to play it why haven't already played this but another part of me is like this game is a real experience like you got to be ready for it it's like reading a really really crazy book you got to be in the right mindset sure and it's not a blockbuster. You know, this is the, the fucking Criterion Collection DVD. It's a yeah. movie that's a couple years old. I mean, it's a word of mouth thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, those. I bet those video game awards really helped. Did they, they win a, lot of those. a bunch? I think they won like four or five. Oh, that's cool. And they, they thanked Marx and Engels for the education. <laughs> that's awesome. 
yeah i think this is, game is just gonna keep snowballing too i think console ports are gonna make it a big deal i think that people just being excited about it and hearing people like us be excited about it at them is gonna help mm-hmm. and that's what i would say i mean if this sounds cool to you and you're excited about it just play this fucking game yeah I mean, I, I've seen a lot of shit online with, like, shitheads saying, like, oh, if they're communists, we could get the game for free. And I'm like, nah, dude. Mark said that the, the workers should keep the value of their labor. Yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> also, if that's your stance, you clearly did not understand anything the game said to you. And <laughs> you should wait till the console port comes out and play it again and hopefully by that point you've contacted a good chiropractor and got a very sensible routine going for you to pull your head out of your ass (laughs) yeah I mean close your 8chan account (laughs) throw away your voter registration card stop using racial slurs stop calling your mom a bee like (laughs) Dude, your mom's gonna die, and you're gonna re- feel really bad about all the mean stuff you said to her. Yeah, melt down those guns. You don't need them. <laughs> you're strong. You're a strong alpha male. You don't need them. <laughs> you can fight with your hands like a man. Yeah, a real man. Rambo, take your shirt off. Hey, maybe you can melt down those guns and take them and trade them at the place where you trade in like cans and stuff. Get like 18 cents or whatever. Hell yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's best for you. I'm not your dad. Fuck you. (laughs) Get some candy. Get some candy. (laughs) Sell your guns. Buy candy. (laughs) I will say, just like uh, this anonymous 8chaner that we're insulting, uh, you should play this game now so that when the console port comes out, you can play it again. Because that's going to be cool. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be DLC. Ooh. Probably not, but I would. Once again, this game got well, me to care about achievements, so it can get me to care about anything. There's apparently there's some hints in the game that DLC might happen. Mm. Kuno. There's a door on the beach that you can't open. Ah. And then there's some other uh, cryptic hints. So we'll see. Yeah. I just want more. Yeah. I don't care if it's a sequel or what. Yeah, dude. Kuno side quest when? Yeah. Or you know, like uh. Uh, what is the uh, Kusaragi? Oh, I want yeah. a Kusaragi spinoff, dude. Oh, Some yeah. Type. Oh, 100%. All stoic and shit. Yeah, just working on your car. You Kusaragi in the homosexual underground. <laughs> That's a good band name right there. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> I want that I want that fucking side project, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be called? Sad FM? It's like the sickest Sad FM band. Dude, I'm gonna start a band called Sad FM, and the only song is a cover of that smallest church in Saint. I'm gonna do it. Yes. <laughs> Doing yes. it tonight. You can't stop me, James. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect.